Welcome to Behind the Build, a podcast by the Webster Auto Collective. I'm your host, Sam Webster, and I'm excited to take you on a journey behind the scenes of the automotive world. Each episode will dive deep into the minds of automotive enthusiasts and professionals, exploring their passion, creativity, and automotive culture. We believe that behind every great build is an even better story worth sharing, and we're here to uncover those stories. From classic cars to modern machines, from racers to collectors, we'll bring you the stories that make the automotive world so exciting and diverse. Whether you're a seasoned gearhead or just love cars, we invite you to take a dive into the minds of a modern-day car enthusiast. Welcome to the Behind the Build podcast. I'm here with Kent Compton. I found Kent on Instagram. He is building this crazy uh, 7.3 swapped Ford Raptor, which is like, I've never heard of anything like this before. And so I'm really excited to talk to him because he's like me. He's kind of learning as he goes and just figuring it out and using whatever you know, resources he has. And this is a one of a kind truck. And I'm really excited to see where this project goes because it's super intensive. Um, so thanks for being on the podcast, Kent. Thanks. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, like you said, I guess a little intro. Uh, I'm just a dude that I was like, I want to put this badass motor in this truck. Um, and I figured I couldn't really, you know, I'm going to be working for a long time anyways, so I might as well give it a shot and try and see what happens. Nice. And so what year is it? Uh, it's a 2018 Raptor. Okay. And the entire drivetrain is taken out of it and swapped with, what did you call it, the Godzilla? Yeah, yeah. So it's like a, you know, the the 7.3 Godzilla is a motor that Ford originally released as a crate engine. Um, for guys to put in their old like F100s or, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the original intent was for it, but um, then uh, uh, and then they started putting it in their super duties. Um, so it's just a big uh, I, I guess it's like Ford's competitor to the LS sort of um, okay. it's just a big push rod style V8 um, has a really tough bottom end. So. There's a lot of guys that supercharge them uh, without ever opening up the motor and they're making like a thousand horsepower, stuff like that. So, damn, so that's crazy. Did you, so was it a crate motor when you bought it or? Like, no, I pull actually, it out of something? yeah, I pulled it out of something. So, um, uh, cause the, the way this whole thing started was, um, my wife and I, we were actually like, uh, we're from Alaska and we were, we came down to visit some family in Washington and then we were like okay ready to hit the road we got on the ferry we got 10 miles down the road and you know you're like driving you got your wife in the car or whatever and you hear a noise and you're like wait stop you know you like turn the radio turn the air conditioning off and stuff and I'm listening and it's making this really bad noise so I like climb out I look under the truck and like the front main harmonic balancer is just doing this and I'm like oh that's bad so like get in the car and I look at my wife and she's like doing this little like macrame thing or whatever it is. And I'm like, we have to go back. Yeah, this is like a big deal for me. I'm like, well, motor smoked. Um, and uh, so when we got back, um, we have work here and stuff. And so we just were like, well, why don't we just stay here for the winter and see what we can do? Um, and I, it was just after SEMA and there was another guy that had um, done the swap in uh in a raptor and he was at steema and i was like dang that looks badass so i just kind of said you know hey let's go for it um and i found a um couple weeks later i found a 2022 or 23 
F-350 uh, Platinum, I think, that was wrecked. Um, it was like just in a rollover. And so I just bought the engine, the transmission, all the wire harnesses. And it wasn't like, you know, sometimes they give you like the full part out where it's like the dash and all that stuff. It wasn't that. It was basically just the motor, the PCM, the wire harness for the motor, the transmission, transfer case. And that's it. Damn. So it didn't, you didn't intend to do a motor swap. It just kind of was forced on you after the old well, motor. Well, I, so I rebuilt this engine, the, the EcoBoost before. I actually bought a Raptor and then um, the engine blew up like in the first six months of owning it. It's just stock motor. And uh, so I rebuilt it the first time. So it happened the second time. So I'm already kind of like, that's it. Like I'm not dealing with, you know, and the cost. So I'm looking at the cost of like closed deck EcoBoost blocks and, and building a motor and kind of one of the fundamental issues that I found with the EcoBoost was it doesn't matter if they're in stock format or they're high horsepower formats. It's still a grab bag as to whether or not it's going to blow up or whether or not it's going to last a long time. You know, so I figured I would just go to the nine and a half tenths of extremism and get the biggest, most durable motor and then try and blow that up, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And so, you know, most guys, they, they go straight to, you know, an LS swap or just buying another crate motor, stabbing it in. But you're like, I don't even want to go with the same platform anymore. You're, yeah. you want something that's for a much bigger truck too. Like yeah. packaging that must be crazy. Like what, I guess back up a little bit. Like how much time do you have into the truck so far from the time that you decided you were going to pull that motor out and put it in the you know, 7.3? Um, so I, I stopped kind of keeping track after I went over a thousand hours. Um, so I'm probably, that wasn't too long ago. So I'm somewhere in like the low, the low teens, probably like 1200 hours or something. And that's like, that doesn't include like time sitting at home, like on the computer researching and stuff. That's just like kind of general ballpark of like hours in the shop. And a lot of that's due to just my ignorance or, you know, like I'm not, I'm not a high speed fabrication guy or that'd be sweet if I was eventually I will be. But, um, so that's like, you know, say 1200 hours of just trial and error and doing stuff and seeing if it works. Right. And I mean, was there a whole lot that, I mean, the thing that jumps out of my mind is like the biggest headache is how do you wire all of that? Like how right. do you make, how right. do you make the gauge cluster work? How do you make sure the transmission is shifting? Right. How yeah. do you make sure that it's, it's reading all the diagnostics correctly. And like the whole truck is talking to each other without lighting up the whole dashboard saying this part's missing and this part's missing and like just yeah. putting it in, oh, in limp mode or something. Yeah. Um, was that the hardest part was trying to figure out the wiring to get that to work and uh, what it like? Yeah. So when I got to doing, cause I, I, like I did all the fabrication and engine placement and then I did um, all the plumbing and HVAC stuff. And then I, and then I started electrical and, um, kind of going into it. I remember thinking like, there's no, there's no roadmap how to do it. So every, like there's, there's a couple different people or companies that engine swap modern Raptors and, um, 
and it's all their their information is held very close and tight understandably because they have hundreds of thousands of dollars of R&D into figuring out how to do it, you know? And, um, so I really just approached it from like the simplest form possible, which was like, okay, there's no, I remember for weeks, like while I'm doing the plumbing and the fabricating, it's like in the back of my head thinking like there's there, maybe there's an easy way, you know, maybe if I like take this module and do this or do that, you know, and reprogram this, then like, there'll be a way that easy that works. Um, and then when I actually got to doing electrical, it was like, okay, there's no easy way, which means I just have to like sit down, suck it up, put in my headphones, listen to some freaking jazz and just figure this out. Um, so I just, and the irony is it's not really like a secret to me because it's, it was so much work i can't imagine in hindsight i wouldn't have done it again um but i basically spent um a couple hundred hours just looking at the wiring diagrams of both trucks and making spreadsheets on where each like each wire goes what it interfaces with what the sensor is what are the resistances on that sensor and are the resistances the same on the other truck and like just dripping everything down to like, okay, if I don't know how to reprogram a module, then maybe I can just trick the module into thinking that everything is fine. You know, like I'll just give it the sensors. I'll give it the inputs and the outputs that it needs. And, um, there were a few instances where it's like, this exists on this truck and it doesn't exist on that truck, you know, like, what are you going to do? Um, and for that stuff, I kind of had to get a little bit creative and, and some of those I still have to kind of sort out, but at least at this point I have like a, as I'm like finishing some of the other more mechanical things on the truck and just really fine tuning things. I know like, okay, at least I have a roadmap that it's possible and I'm not like, I don't even know if it's possible, you know? Um, so I really like, I was, I was laughing about it. Cause at some point, like I'm sitting there putting the wiring harnesses together and I was like, I'm just the guy that's dumb enough to try and smart enough to figure it out. Like, I, you know, I was half convinced that when I hooked the battery up, it was just going to catch on fire. And, um, and I was like, cool time to sell it all on eBay. You know, like I, I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like that mindset going into it. Just like, yeah, well, gonna see what happens. We'll figure it yeah. out. Yeah, that, that's cool because it's the same thing with me. I bought a wrecked Tacoma. It's like I don't know how to fix this thing. I don't know how to do airbags. <laughs> I don't know how to like. I don't have a frame table. Yeah, I don't have any of these things. I don't have the tools. But I saw some guys on YouTube rebuilding wrecked supercars, and I'm like. Those guys can do it in a barn or in their little yeah. garage, you know, like I can do it. And I, I love your attitude towards it because it's like, I think the biggest skill when it comes to doing projects like this is just being able to solve problems. Yeah. You, you find the problem, you work towards a solution. You find the next problem, you work towards a solution and then just don't give up until all the problems are fixed. Yeah. And, and like with your truck, you know, it, it's. It's funny how it, like it's not just just us. It's like universal to a lot of people trying big projects. Like you don't really 
sometimes you want something that's like so badass and cool. You're, you're like, you can like feel inadequate and be like, well, I can't do this. I'm not a big fab shop. I don't have this. I don't have that. Or you're just kind of like, man, I'm just so excited about the sheer possibility of getting to like do it. And then out of like, I'm sure with both of us, you know, out of that, there's like a ton of creativity that stems from being limited, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. You, I've found that there's usually many solutions to one problem. There's not yeah. really like a, a right or a wrong way. Yeah. So unless it's a, a sensor that needs a zero or a one, a yes or a yeah. no. Yeah. And that's kind of, but other than that, like there are different ways to solve the problems. And that's the cool thing with the car world is everyone solves those, those things in different ways. And that's why every car is different and people can yeah. be so creative. And like your truck, are there any 7.3 swapped Raptors that you know of? Uh, yeah. So there's a guy, real cool dude. His name is Jeff. Um, he owns a place called Juicy Motorsports. I think they're over on the East Coast. And um, so th they took their truck to SEMA and um, they, so they're the first ones, I think, to, as far as I know, to put a 7.3 in a Raptor. Um, and my goal with mine, I think, was I don't know. Um, my goal was to be I want to be the first guy to to drive one, you know, to rip around in it. Um, I don't know. I, I think they I think they're still working on theirs because I, I do know that we did things completely different um, as far as like electrical goes. And I know that, you know, the other shops that do engine swaps are, I think, still, um, you know, working on how, you know, how to get stuff to work or how they want to do it or or whatever. So so there's there's at least one more. But to my knowledge, you know, I'm not trying to like throw some big challenge on the Internet or anything, but. Um, to my knowledge, mine's the first one that, um, you know, was ripping around down the road. Yeah. Oh, so yours is drivable now. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, on oh, my no Instagram. Way. Yeah. On my, we, so, <laughs> we, uh, we built the, we built the exhaust, uh, kind of cobbled together from like the old exhaust, same with the intake. So like we have some videos on Instagram and it's like literally the old EcoBoost intake with like one of the ports duct taped shut and like the math sensor like with a hot knife like cut in and shoved into the intake and um just because I wanted to see before I went further on other things I wanted to make sure that what we had done so far worked so we shoved everything in there you know before I have like the the nice intake built and all that we just slapped the the duct tape one in there and took it out ripped around in it um and uh tested some stuff out just to kind of see like what is working and what isn't working and then right now I'm just like building uh some stainless down pipes for it and um kind of like going through and making sure like you know, so we drove maybe 50 miles or something and then now pull it all apart and see like, okay, are there any hoses that are chafing? Are there any pinch points between the frame, the body, the, the powertrain? Because um, it's a tight fit. <laughs> and uh, making sure that like everything that I did so far is working well. And then like, you know, pulling the truck apart and like 
wrapping and insulating wire harnesses that are now going to get a lot hotter as you like drive the truck for long durations. And so doing a lot of that stuff to kind of like um, perfect what was already done, you know, so like putting all the heat shields back in, heat shielding wire harnesses better and um, finishing there are there are a couple harnesses that I left open so that if I need to make changes to them, so like going through and wrapping those up now that they're done, you know stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. But well, yeah, we took. Amazing. Go ahead. Yeah, sir. Oh yeah, no, it's amazing. I, I didn't realize that you were driving it for some reason. I thought you were still in the midst of making it work, but yeah, you've actually. Yeah. No way. That's I bet that feeling of driving it the first time was just so amazing. It was surreal. Yeah. I'm, I'm always, my wife always gets on me about it, but I'm always analytical. So I can be like doing the most badass thing on the planet. And I'm like, it's not making, it's not, that's not the right noise. It's not, you know, I'm just analyzing what I have to do next, but, um, instead of just enjoying the moment, but yeah, it was awesome. Uh, the biggest, like, holy cow of the whole thing wasn't actually driving it. It was, um, getting it started. So, um, the, the biggest wall that I hit, like not as far as like how stuff is going to work, but just like, I don't know if this is possible was actually like, um, getting all the modules to communicate after I had done the wiring. And, uh, so I spent three weeks about like basically just sitting in the cab of the truck on my computers, like trying to figure out you know, how to get the security system to work, how to get, you know, everything to work and start. So when it started, you know, I'm like here and uh, a friend of mine was here just like over in the corner doing something and it worked. Like I like make some changes and I push the start button and it goes and it's got like no exhaust on it. It's just manifolds and then like six inches of downpipe <laughs> to the ground. Um, the math sensor is just like dangling in front of the throttle body. It's just like a mess and it, but it started and it's like, and I'm like, holy cow, man, I was going bananas. Um, and so I was already kind of like resting on my laurels at that point that like, okay, now it's possible. If I can get the engine to run, you know, getting it to drive everything else is downstream, you know? That's so cool. I, so do you have a background in any of this stuff? I mean, <laughs> are you an electrical engineer? No. Uh uh. I'm a I'm a car I'm a carpenter, man. <laughs> uh yeah. I no, I um you know, you know how Facebook has like those ten years ago today things, you know? Um I had one of those recently and it was like 10 years ago today and it was me and three buddies of mine and we had, it was like summer break from college and I had bought two Hyundai Tiburons that were both T-boned on opposite ends and so, and one was a manual, it's funny because it's like we poured like hundreds of hours into like the shittiest car on the planet um, and uh, so we took a Hyundai Tiburon and we like cut the good pot body panels off of one and tack welded them onto the other and uh, put the manual transmission in the good body. And um, so I'm not experienced as far as like this isn't what I do for a living. But 
um, just out of kind of necessity, I've been always working on cars, you know, nice and electrical. Like I remember that at that same time period, like driving home one night, like one o'clock in the morning, working on that car and thinking like, God, I think it'd be so cool if I was like really good at electrical just because like nobody else is. And that would be badass, which is like, you know, if you believe in God, just be careful what you ask for, because then uh, that seems like that has also been like the bane of my existence ever since. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't even know where to start thinking about trying to get modules to talk to each other. And it's modules from two different trucks, right? Yeah, two different trucks. I kind of pick and chose um, which ones I wanted for each kind of thing. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't count them, but I think there's like 15-ish modules in the truck. Like, each door has its own control module. Um, There's a couple different ones in in the dash for different things. And then, you know, the engine has its own and... um the the raptor the original powertrain is kind of a unique uh setup in the ford family um because it actually has its own uh transmission control module that's in the frame so it's actually got its own little computer that runs parts of the transmission and it just receives data from the engine and then it decides kind of what to do independently versus a lot of the other like ford truck powertrains uh the PCM controls the transmission as well, which is how this one works. So again, it's just like taking all that data and seeing like where it needs to go and what things need what information and basically just like, you know, connecting the dots to all of them. How do you can, two questions. Where do you find all this information and like the data transfer stuff? And two, like, how do you how do you break into the modules and talk to them and see, like, reprogram? Like, this is total. It's totally foreign to me. Um, so it's it's foreign to me outside of like certain vehicles. So I don't know if it really applies to like other vehicles. Um, but as far as where does the information come from? Just the really high level information is just from like a vehicle subscription service. So like I know there's a couple I use all data um, and it's basically like, you know, which is also really great for just working on cars in general because you can get access to like all the, you know, um, in-house procedures for different things. Um, So like all data has uh, like descriptions of how systems work. So like you can go into all data and you can see like... um, the uh hvac system and and then you can go and they'll actually have like diagrams that they don't just show they don't show the wiring but they show like the communication order so it'll say like you know this module pulls data from the transducer and then it goes to you know the whatever module and then this module and and, you know so you can kind of see like the flow chart of how stuff works and then um, and then you can look at the wiring diagram and kind of deduce like, OK, based on the description of how this particular system in the truck works, this module is pulling data from this sensor and this sensor, and then it's delivering it to this module for this purpose, you know. So you can kind of extrapolate like, 
rough ideas of what um, everything is doing. Um, and then uh, as far as how you interface with them, that's really specific to each vehicle. Um, this I'm just using like mostly like crap you can buy off of Amazon or, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then like modifying it or changing the pinouts and stuff. It's just like a $25 cord. And then um, I I borrowed like a really expensive uh, scan tool from a friend of mine um, to do some stuff that I couldn't do with the cord, you know? So, it, and it's just a lot of trial and error. Like a lot of it was like renting or borrowing really expensive like computer diagnostic equipment to see if that would work and then realizing it didn't work at all and then like send you know giving it back and just like trying something else you know gotcha yeah that's that's like that's so cool i so would that all data is like a service that repair shops would subscribe to yeah. type of things yeah. and they can yeah, know how to fix whatever's coming oh, out of their door. Dude, it's yeah. awesome. As like a um, you know, aside, even aside from like it is not intended for like engine swaps, but um you can buy like, you know, for like a couple thousand dollars or whatever, you can buy like all the vehicles, but also for like sixty-ish dollars a year, you can buy your vehicle. And um I don't know about like other uh manufacturers but i know like for ford um you know like the old chilton's manuals that you and there's like the yep. hand draw hand drawings they're all black and white this is yep. legit because this is like the future uh it's like 3d rendered images of like the engine bay and the part that you're removing is like highlighted and like transparent so you can see it um and uh so you it's just like so like i have a subscription with all data for a ford raptor and uh 2018 ford raptor and it's got wiring diagrams it's got electrical troubleshooting it's you can like search for basically any service procedure that's in the ford data system or whatever um and uh hmm. and then it's got and like as you scroll through the procedure it's got like the torque specs for stuff and it tells you like what bolts to discard what bolts to reuse you know all that so wow i didn't even realize that was a thing that's so cool yeah. oh yeah yeah i mean you you gotta check it out it's like uh yeah. the the best part to me is the the like highlighted rendered images um if they have those for tacomas man because you're like what part is that what are they talking about and there's like a hyperlink and you just click on it and then it just like shows you the part like in 3d space like inside the car <laughs> oh that's so cool all right i'm subscribing to that i'm <laughs> gonna need that yeah i use even something... though probably 50 okay. percent of it doesn't apply to your car anymore <laughs> yeah there's not a whole lot of tacoma left <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but whatever i might find some use in it now yeah. that so i ripped it out like totally gutted it pulled uh -huh. the modules out and and a bunch of the wiring and now i'm like what module went where <laughs> yeah like I, I labeled stuff but still it's been like two years almost and now i'm forgetting how it all went back together and i was really totally. worried about that so this sounds like a great resource are you and... are you putting the all the factory stuff back in so i'm gonna put the dash back factory dash back in um 
so I can use the, the screen, the center module will go back in with the shifter and everything. Um, then I'll have door panels and then that's all of that's pretty much everything from the, the stock truck that's going to go back in the interior because it'll have uh, two race seats in the front. Um, but the part that I'm worried about is the, um, the EGR stuff. I don't know, not EGR. It's, it's like the little, it's the little box, the, the charcoal canister for the fuel tank. EVAP. EVAP. Stuff. EVAP. Yeah. yeah. So I'm worried about that, throwing codes and screaming at me. Um, and then I'm running a fuel cell. So I need to somehow modify this stock uh, fuel sending unit to work in, a, in this fuel cell that I've got. So those are the two things I'm really worried about because it's, I'm not using any of the stock stuff and they could freak out at me. Yeah. Um, but I end accidentally, like there's a big harness that runs out of the back of the truck. It's probably like an inch and a half thick. And I cut out the back wall. Yeah. And I was being so careful. It was like moving the harness out of the way. I was using a saw raw, just cutting it out. And <laughs> I slipped out of the truck with my finger on the trigger on the saw. <laughs> And it hit the wiring harness and went through like probably five or 10 wires, just like in a split second. Yeah. Fuck. And so now I need to fix all that. I you're like, any of hold, you're holding it. You're like, that's okay. That's okay. Right. <laughs> it's just, this just super just, glue. And, yeah. <laughs> so I need to figure out that. So I'm going to use, I'm going to, this sounds like a great way to kind of dive into that and see how totally. it all works. Yeah. I'd use something kind of similar to it when I was rebuilding the front end. Because I was wanted to use the the stock uh, fenders and the radiator support and like the whole core support itself was all bashed up and crooked and so I couldn't get the hood to line up right. But I found on Toyota's website there was some like similar thing where a shop a body shop could go in and use it for measurements for all the different locations of the parts go. Oh, so okay. I was able to like make my own little tool to measure point to point to point and then use this diagram to get everything lined up. So the hood would shut and all of those fenders would sit on there, right? And it was great. I don't yeah. think I want to be able to do it otherwise because I'd just be like randomly pounding things in different directions trying to yeah. get it to line up. That just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to check out all data. data. That sounds super cool. I've got it pulled up on my screen right now. So I'm going to dive into there's, it. So it's, yeah, there's all data. I think it's all data.diy is like the page for uh, okay. indiv individuals. Okay. I think is what it's called. Did, yeah. Were there any other websites that you used that have good information like that? Um, or that the big one. That's pretty much the big one, you know, per, like okay. just uh, used as far as like information resources go, 100% all data. And then just the typical like bouncing around forums and YouTube and everything else for like random stuff, you know? Right. So like how to TIG weld. <laughs> yeah, right. How to build all these skills you need to put it back yeah. together. Yeah. Um, I was the same way. It's like, I don't really know how to weld, but uh, I'm sure I can figure it out. Yeah. And, yeah. You no, know, buy the Harbor Freight welder and start messing around. And yeah. Those and eventually you're like, oh, this isn't half bad. Yeah. I'm getting the hang of it. Yeah. yeah. And it works out. Um, where did like this whole car enthusiast thing start? I ask everybody this, you know, where, where did your journey as an enthusiast start? Is there like a specific moment in time? Yeah, remember? probably early 2000s playing like Need for Speed on my in on my friend's Xbox in his basement, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yep. 
yeah, played a bunch of Need for Speed Underground. And because that was like, I was like, I'm like the prime marketing target for when they released the first one. I was like just the right age. Um, and uh, so I was like big into, I always liked cars, I guess. But that was like really, you know, like, man, you can build cars, you know. And um, and then uh, I, when I was older when i was in my early 20s i was working in the oil field so i'm like 20 years old i'm single i have nothing to spend money on and i'm making like 120 grand a year so you know what is a 20 something year old do with a hundred thousand dollars they buy a evo 9 and they spend the rest at denny's with their friends which is what i did uh <laughs> and um and so you know, that was like, wow, I've got a cool car and drove that for a while, beat the piss out of it. Um, but uh, I, I think more even than cars, I'm always fascinated with building things. Uh, even more than cars, I like motorcycles. I've got like a race bike and, and uh, sport bikes and old bikes and new bikes and stuff. I love motorcycles. Um, I love machines, figuring out how they work, making them better, 3D printing, you know, whatever. I just like making stuff so at heart i think i'm more of just a um a maker creator inventor and and then um you know o overpriced long travel trucks with overpriced powertrains is just like the perfect niche to keep me busy it's just kind of the natural progression yeah yeah <laughs> yeah oh, i remember i was gonna ask you so i'm working on a project to build new spindles for my truck Mm -hmm. And one of the problems, so I'm going to be, I'm getting rid of the Toyota spindle or the, the wheel bearing mm -hmm. and I'm buying a, a unit bearing from a, like the Chevy Silverado 1500 and cause it's the same bolt pattern as Toyota. Yeah. Um, the thing that I worried about is the wheel speed sensor and the information that it's sending back and reading like through this specifically the ABS module, because I'm afraid that. The ABS system is going to freak out if it's reading something different than it would be with a stock Toyota sensor. Right. How have you ever had, did you mess with anything like that or like understand how those tone rings work? No. How it picks up any of that data? I don't. I mean, like okay. it kind of in theory, I do, but um, uh, I mean, it's probably like a, what do they call that? It's probably based on like a hall sensor, I would guess, you know? Where it's like a a magnet that floats around to an electrical sensor, and it just kind of like a crank sensor, you know. Yeah. But again, that's like an all data thing because you could just like that's what I do. Like look up what you know this particular system wheel speed sensor, and there's probably a thing that talks about like how it works and where it goes. And in worst case scenario, buy an extra one and tear it apart, and you go to your friend that knows more about electronics and ask. <laughs> <laughs> Shared. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the problems with the, these the Tacomas is like the, the spindles just suck. They're super weak. Uh -huh. Guys start wheeling them and they bend on them. And so there's Camberg makes a kit that's like 2,500 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I've heard some people that they got rid of it after they used it for a while because the issues with the wheel speed sensor are down. Um, and so I'm maybe working with a company called Send Cut Send. And you've yeah. heard of them. And so yeah. the laser cutting service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I've partnered with them to design these spindles. We're going to be documenting the whole process of like, you know, this is 
the idea and here's the design process, the engineering, and then having a laser cut with them through this whole thing. And I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a cool project because I'll essentially just like send them a stock plate, a spindle. Uh, the guy's name is Jay Collins, who I'm working with. I'm going to send Jake a spindle and then I'm going to send him the wheel hub that I'm going to be using and then kind of change some of the, like the, the kingpin angle and some of the camera caster angles just to be a little bit better for like an off-road truck versus a street right. truck. Yeah. And then he's going to, he's like a CAD wizard. So he's going to draw it all up for me and it's going to be Oh, that's, so they do the, they can do the modeling as well. Yeah. He's, he's going to do the modeling for me. Um, and then like part of this, I'm putting together this car club thing. So I found you, Webster Auto Collective, and they've partnered with us. So everybody that uses their service that's part of the club gets 15% off of all of their services. Awesome. And so, yeah. And so we'll do this cool thing. Like maybe once a month, they'll come on and do like a live uh, call, talk about, you know, whatever projects people are working on. And Jake can kind of help them walk through it and, you know, teach some CAD design and all that stuff. And that stuff is relatively new to me too. So I'm going to be learning it as I go. Right. And I just want to take like my skills to another level. So I want a part. I know how to make it. And I just yeah. send it to them and be like, just cut it for me. I'll weld it together. And boom, you've got the exact part that you want rather than going out and spending 2,500 bucks, you know, camber kit. Yeah. It's not exactly yeah. what you want, but I think or there's spending like $2,500 trying to do it yourself over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do that exactly. a lot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. And then eventually you're like, well, I wish find the right person to yes. do this for me. But yeah. I'm too stubborn. <laughs> Yes, yeah, same. Keep bashing my head against the wall until I figure it out. Yep. Which I don't know if that's the best approach, but <laughs> it's an approach, it's man. That's it. It is it's, approach. It's, it's an approach. <laughs> hey, I mean, you did it. I people that are just listening, he's got his truck behind him, and it just looks so mean. Yeah. Are there, do you have fiberglass fenders on it? Uh, the or the stock fenders. Those are the stock fenders, which are fiberglass. The from the factory, the hood and the front fenders are fiberglass. I think the bedsides are aluminum. But, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So then, you know, eventually I'd love to do like the wider fenders. And I mean, you can spend just as much as a Raptor on, you know, suspension and body work and stuff, you know, as, as you know, you know, <laughs> and I know. I'm about 15 grand into my, just my shocks. Ooh, that's, that's not even, <laughs> you can keep going. That's, I know I've got baby stuff in comparison to some of these other guys that are, yeah. They have Ford Rangers that have trophy truck suspension on them, and it's, you know, $15,000 for one shock. Yeah. That you can go crazy. Well, yeah. Not quite. I, I'm, at this point, I just want it to, like, it's going to be crazy for a Tacoma, and I'm going to have so much fun with it. But I've spent two years building, and I hadn't driven it. And yeah. I'm at the point now where it's like, I just want to drive it. Yeah. Like, I need I need seat time. I need to know what I want before I make yeah. any other modifications, you know. Yep. And uh but eventually if I build another truck or continue with this one, it's gonna be probably a few years from now and I'll go all out. I'll do crazy trophy truck suspension and all that nonsense. But we'll I see. Think, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Well I, well it's funny, you know, I think that's always that's always the challenge with big projects with cars or anything is it's a battle of attrition right like is the project gonna tear you down before you finish or are you gonna get to a point where you can get another breath of fresh air and inspiration before you can you know before before it gets to that point you know <laughs> so 
lap it together, drive it, figure out what you want, and then tear it apart again. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you had many of those moments with this track where you felt like it was just you hit a dead end and don't know where to go, go next. And yeah, can you tell me about one of those when it pops into your head. Yeah, well, um, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but um, I, when I started doing the wiring, because mind you, I'm splicing like a hundred and something wires and like 300 and something connections. And so I'm like doing all of this work with absolutely no idea if I'm, if it's going to work or not, you know, so I'm like pouring all this energy into it just to, for literally like honestly for it to probably like i when i hooked the battery up i turned off everything in the shop so there were no noises no humming and i connected the battery to see if i could hear anything like start to fizzle or pop you know just because like i didn't know there's a lot of mistakes to be made and i definitely make a lot of mistakes so i was like yeah i could have crossed a wire somewhere and something just catches on fire um so I, the first one was when I was doing that, I'm in the shop here. I just laid down a huge sheet of 316th steel on some sawhorses and spread all the harnesses out and started cutting them open. And I'm working on that, listening to my jazz, just doing my thing, trying to like get it all sorted. And, um, and every day in the evening i would text my dad a picture because he just thinks it's totally freaking bananas you know and uh to keep track too so you know day one day two day three you know and it's just looking worse and worse just more torn apart you know and it was like the third or the fourth day um i had a dream that the truck ran like i (laughs) I had a dream so this is like so heavy on my conscious that um I had a dream that the truck started and it ran and it sounds sweet. And I was like, I woke up that morning and I was like, time to get it done. And, uh, I think it took five days. Uh, so it was like just another day or two. And, um, I finished, it was like, so like just picturesque. I finished at like Friday at like three forty-five, and I was like, it is finished. I checked everything, triple checked everything, hooked it all up. All I had to do is drop the battery in. I just like walked away, got on my dirt bike, went riding with some friends, like did some other stuff for the weekend or whatever, and then came back and I was like, all right, time to time for the smoke show. Hooked the battery up and it actually worked. I was like, holy cow. But um, <laughs> that was a pretty dark moment trying to like just get through all the electrical, just trying to uh, like hype myself up enough to do it knowing that it could not work um and then the other one was you know i like i literally spent like three weeks of like waking up having breakfast with my wife putting on my work clothes and then showing up and like hopping in the cab of the truck and like looking at wiring diagrams and system flow charts and testing things and plugging modules in and downloading software and sitting on the phone with tech support because I don't know how Windows computers work because I use MacBooks and you know like all of this stuff and like feeling completely like it's not going to work and you know you like you try weirder and weirder and weirder stuff to like you know you know the meme 
and it's like the kazoo playing in the background or whatever like you you know it's like you're like time to go to work and it's like don't do 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 like you don't know jack shit it was like three weeks of that and um something wouldn't work and i was like i think and i man i was just like a broken mess um i've never never uh worked on a project that challenged me this much like my we're real athletic people my wife and i and my health was just like crumbling and uh like all kinds of weird stuff happening like and i'm like there's no way this is all happening because of stress and my wife's like it's because of stress uh and, <laughs> and so i mean the the electrical was a big big one and then you know the the one that was like the most like emotionally heavy was definitely like just sitting there with a computer and like a whole bunch of wires and things and like trying stuff and then pushing the start button and trying stuff and pushing the start button and then it's like i felt like an astronaut that's like stuck on another planet and i'm either gonna like run out of food water or health or sanity before i like can get off the planet you know and <laughs> And, uh, so anyways, those, those were like the two big ones. I'm just picturing Apollo 13 where they're trying all these different sequences, trying yeah. to get back to home and, you know, hoping that it works and they've got enough battery left to make yeah. it happen. And well, those guys even... had like NASA to call, dude. They had like NASA to call them and be like, Hey, this light's flashing. Shit's broken. What do we do? And they got like, you know, multi-million dollars of engineers in lab that are like, pull out the test Apollo. Let's figure it out. I think. I don't know if that's actually what they but I I figure that's what they do. That's what they do in the movies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> you're so cool. This is like ridiculous that that you're able to pull that off with no prior experience. Like, yeah. This, I, this, I'm impressed this, too, man. <laughs> this seems like a job for like a shop with an army of fabricators and yeah. electrical engineers and like guys that used to work for Ford that work for them now. And I mean, you're just in your shop and it's, this is a shop that you rented. It's like a, a shop rental spot, right? Yeah. That's the other crazy part. I did this in a, this is like a do they have a um they have like it's a do-it-yourself car lift so i just like rolled up one day and they were like yeah we have a lift you can rent it for um two hours you can rent it for eight hours a day or a week and i was like how about four months and they were like sure <laughs> why <laughs> and uh so um yeah like when i and it's a great place they've got like a blacksmith area they've got like it's mostly wood shop stuff so like a lot of days there's like a whole bunch of sawdust like all over, like i actually like came in this morning and sprayed the truck off all the sawdust off of the truck before we started um so it's like not it is not the most ideal environment at all um uh like while i'm like sitting inside the truck like programming modules there's like people with blacksmith hammers like right outside the truck like ding 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 like building uh 
knives and stuff. And um, so, yeah, it was very much so like not ideal. You know, you want a sterile environment, you want all your tools, you want what you need. But like, it's like comes back to what we were talking about earlier. It really just comes down to like, you have, if you like some things you want to do, you always have the choice. You can just wait or you decide you want to do it and you just have to figure out how to do it with what you have, you know? Um, so, uh, it was, and it like turns out great. Like I'm like, I'm bending all that. Like I had to make about a dozen different brackets and stuff for the truck, excluding the motor mounts to like different brackets to like hold, you know, new pieces and parts and rearrange everything. And like, you know, some of them I can just like cut out with my plasma torch and bend the way I want in like a vice or like a bender. But like one of them was like this special bracket that has like one fold and then another fold over it with a hole. So a bolt can interface in the back tab, but not in the front tab. You know, I can't bend mm -hmm. that on a vice. So there's like a guy here that's a blacksmith and I'm like, can you help me? You know? So I'm like, I'm like, building brackets for this like hundred and eighty thousand dollar truck with like a guy who's a blacksmith that's like taking steel and like ding 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 to like fold it down right you know so it's like completely not ideal you know and um but you know yeah what are you gonna do you know i want to do it you gotta do it so you just try <laughs> the more i talk to you the more my mind is blown that you're yeah this off like in a good way like it's amazing that 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 you're able to do it in a wood shop yeah pretty much right? it is yeah yeah about 25 percent of it is um like space for the lift and then the rest of it is like like in front of me behind the camera is all the blacksmith stuff and then the other like you know 65 percent of it is like woodworking and stuff but it, it actually it's so funny because it it turns out to be pretty good because I'm like sitting here working on this truck and you make friends with all these other people like the guy that was like bring your truck to my shop you know I'm like working around people who know virtually nothing about what I'm doing but they still are human they still look at you and you're they're like what's the matter and you're like I don't know if I can do this and they're like yeah you can suck it up <laughs> I'm like you're you're building cabinets, man. You don't know. And they're like, well, maybe, but I don't know. What are you going to do? You know, and you're like, yeah, you're right. You know? Wow. That's amazing. And so you're the only car person that's there. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, there's, there's like other people that are into cars, but it's kind of like, um, you know, I'm asymptotically deep in the rabbit hole of like, you know, there's car people because they're like, yeah, I like cars. And then I'm like, I like, like, apparently I like pulling perfectly good cars apart and doing things to them, you know, that shouldn't be done. Then, you know, uh, just driving them around. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I, well, I guess my truck wasn't perfectly good when I bought it, but I took, I finished it and then I immediately destroyed it again cut it yeah. half. And <laughs> people are like what are you doing i'm having fun isn't it funny but, though how like was so question for you was it like because you bought it wrecked 
it's like the ice was already broken. So cutting the back off was like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I think since it was already wrecked, it made it feel like whatever I do to this is only going to improve it. Like yeah. in the beginning, putting the body kit, wide body kit on it and the long travel on the front. Yeah, it's like I'm only making this better. But then, you know, you and I talked yesterday um, on the phone and I was telling you, I met a guy in a parking lot who was like, you know, what are you doing with this thing? This was after it was re-registered and on the road and stuff. And I was buying metal at a, um, like a scrap metal shop and just buying yeah. remnants and learning how to weld. And he was walking around the truck and it's like, what are you doing with this thing? I said, well, you know, I'm going to build a pre-runner. And he's looking at it. He's like, I mean, you got the body, but the rest of it's not going to work. Like you got stock suspension and like, you're just kind of looking like a pre-runner. You're not actually doing it. Yeah. And told me about what he was doing and said, you know, if you want to come by my shop, I'll show you some real trucks. And he built like 1450 cars, which are like now kind of one step below trophy trucks in the off-road okay. racing world. Um, and then so still very cool, badass, <laughs> super badass. Yeah. And like he, he was building a, like a 90s suburban. Um, and the entire thing is caged. Like it's, 30, 36 inches of travel in the rear, 18 inches of travel in the front, like all this amazing sheet metal work. I mean, it's barely a Suburban. It's like this, just a yeah. tube chassis with Suburban parts that are kind of like stuck to it. Like beautiful. And I got to a shop and thought to myself, I got to know this guy. I got to learn as much from this person as I can. Yeah. He said, you know, if you, when you're ready, you know, I think you should go farther with it. Uh, when you're ready, there's a spot in my shop. You can rent to be here. You can use my tools. You can do, um, you know, you can, you can do the whole build here if you want, and I'll kind of help you along the way. And it was 700 bucks a month. Like, that is a killer deal. I don't have to buy the tools. Plus, yeah. I've got a guy that can answer all the questions, and he lived at the shop, so he was always there. <laughs> what a steal. So, yeah. And he became a good friend of mine. His name is Donnie Herbert. And Donnie... Has built all sorts of crazy stuff. He worked up for that TV show, um, The Diesel Brothers. Yeah, you know, ever, yep. So yep, yep. he he was a like a sales guy. They built one of those trucks, and he helped like sell them after the show was like after the, the episode on that that build was done. He'd sell them. Yeah, but he was also kind of a fabricator on the side, and like tinkering in his garage. You know, I said projects going, and um, while he was a printer salesman. He sold printers for like 20 years. <laughs> and eventually, Donnie's, like, Donnie's during, the real one. <laughs> yes. Donnie's like, I'm just going to swing printers for 20 years. And, swing printers and, for my tube chassis suburban. <laughs> yeah, right. And and I'll build stuff in my garage. And same thing. Bought a welder, didn't know how to weld, figured it out. Um, and COVID came by and, and they... It was an opportunity for him to pivot. And so got out of the printer game, bought like a used service shop for ATVs and motorcycles. It had this other shop attached to it, which is where I was working. Uh -huh. And so I spent the next six months with Donnie and it was longer than that. can't remember. And <laughs> it, it just, it's a bore. Um, and my, sh my truck was like in the middle of all of these crazy builds that he was working on. Uh, mostly off-road trucks, but there was you know, some street cars that he was building. And it was just inspirational because you look past my truck and there's like this crazy suburban with all the, you know, 
1450 truck chassis that he's building and all right, I can do this, you know? Yeah. Right. If I need, if I don't have, you know, the skills to do it, Donnie can kind of help me figure out what it is I need to do. I can practice. That was amazing. Like that's the thing that I think pushed me the farthest and got me to realize besides the trip being wrecked and not really caring if I'm working on it, you know, modifying it was you can fix it. You just don't know how yet. And yeah. but you can fix it. And yeah. Donnie was looking at it, the truck with me where, you know, I got these, you know, big quad bypass shocks from King and some coilovers for it and four leg suspension set up and we're cycling it, trying to figure out where's ride height going to be, you know, how much up travel do we need to set this at, set it at and how much droop do we want? And the frame was in the way. It just, it was interfering with everything. And he's like, you know, it's your, you bought all this expensive stuff, like, and you're here, you're already cutting it apart. Roll cage is done. You know, just go all the way. Just cut the back off of it. And I was all freaked out. <laughs> like, just cut the truck in half. And he's like, just cut it in half. Like, It'll be fine. And as we started looking at it, and I'm like super timid because that's like a major jump for me. Is to yeah. Go and just, I don't know what to do. I mean, you know, from there, and I'm learning it all from him. Um, but as we started measuring things and realized that like in the, in the wreck, the passenger side frame rail got bumped up like an inch and a half. And so if I'm trying to co compensate for that inch and a half in the, the frame twist to get the bumps, like the bump stops in the right place, yeah. make sure that I'm using all the shaft shaft as I'm going through the range of travel. It's just, it's hacks together and dumb. Like just, yeah. it's going to be easier, you know, mark some reference points so you know where it, kind of where it used to live yeah and then just cut it yeah and i have a video of him and me sawzalling it all all in half and taking the frame rail off and off we went like <laughs> no turning back at that point like yeah you know it's going to be on jack stands until you can build something that it can roll around in. yeah which is good because it forces you to learn and forces right. you to like get past that fear of not knowing you know what you're doing yeah and you know you I think I'm going to end up with something really kind of special because there are some four-linked third-gen trucks, but like mine's going to be unique and it'll be my own. I, I'm really excited to get the, get it done and actually go drive it. You know, I'm jealous of yeah. you. You're, you've got a running <laughs> driving track behind you, yeah. which is equally as crazy. Like less fabrication work, more like technical, yeah, you know, electrical stuff. And you know, you you mentioned that when we spoke last night that the engine doesn't sit in the same place and the transmission is like twice as big as the other one. Right. So packaging yeah. all of that and it's probably a major nightmare. Yeah. The, just real quick, I guess the, um, there's a lot of debate. I think, well, not really. There seems like one out of 10 guys are like, you know, it's a super duty motor and a transmission, the motor. We don't care about that argument. Cause you know, you, you can make the motor super high powered and rev really fast and stuff. Um, the transmission is a 10 speed. I wanted to have another 10 speed. So it is like twice as big almost. Um, and, uh, I just basically, uh, I, I did a bunch of different things, but I basically just like kind of like slowly lowered the cab and then like constantly like bounced the motor around in that area with the driveline angles correct until like I found a spot where the driveline angles are correct and everything actually fits without interfering with the uh 
with the frame and all that. And um, yeah, sorry, I forgot where I was going with that. No, you're fine. No. So how, I mean, the engine is a lot bigger, right? Than yeah. The EcoBoost. Oh, yeah. So right. is it hard? Was it hard to package like AC compressor and the sand and yeah, all, the I, air, all that stuff on the front? No. Um, no. So as far as the actual engine fitment goes, there's a lot of room in the Raptor engine bay um, because of the the wide the wideness of the truck i guess the height of the hood um the EcoBoost because it's got twin turboed intercoolers way down low turbos are up high and far back there's a lot of room in the engine bay for all the intercooler piping and the coolant lines and stuff um the big determining factor with putting this powertrain in there was with no compromise one I wanted the truck to have better uh, front rear balance than it did before. So if uh, you jump it, it actually wouldn't nosedive even as much as the stock truck would. Um, so no compromises on balance and then just no compromises on driveline and fitment. So not like a sort of okay driveline angle but as long as you don't hit 160 or whatever, you know what I mean? I just wanted everything to be precise there. So that was actually, it took a lot of time, but there is a spot in there where basically everything fits. And ironically, it's not the motor that has a problem fitting in the engine bay. It's the transmission and the transfer case are awfully huge. Um, but I wanted the 10, it's the same transmission with the exception of a couple planetary gears. It's the same transmission that they put in the six, seven diesels. So with this transmission, you know, you can shift it just as hard as the stock transmission, but you could, uh, do it while you're pulling somebody's 30,000 pound RV through the sand, hopefully, you know, that's crazy. You're going to. You're going to uh, confuse some people when you're pulling crazy, heavy stuff behind yeah. that. And yeah. <laughs> just smoking yeah. like a Raptor. Because it, yeah. it looks stock, doesn't it? Yeah. For the most it, part. Let me well, that's the irony is, you know, I, you know, uh, out of the tons and tons of money that I've spent, you know, getting the powertrain and everything in there and working and developing all that, it still has like stock everything. So it's a outside is a, it has even has like the stock machined wheels and they're like the least favorable wheels of all Raptors. Like it's just, you know, but a lot of that just boils down to like having good prudence over like project management. You know, what what's the point of buying fancy tires and wheels if you are, still have development to do with um, engine and powertrain and making more power and stuff like that, you know, adding. I would much rather allocate that money to adding functionality like, you know, auxiliary alternators and auxiliary systems that, you know, like this motor, you can buy all the application stuff to like run um, a PTO to run snow plows. And not that I want to put a snow plow on it, but like you could, in theory, if you found a reason that you wanted to run a PTO, you could run a PTO on here, you know, for like a you know, massive winch to pull a train up a mountain or I don't know, you know, that dump truck, put a dump bed right. on it, you know. There you go. Um, yeah, so it's got options, but. 
Oh, it's so crazy. So did you have uh, problems getting the trans tunnel to fit over the transmission yeah. or did that work too? No, that's, that's the tight fit. So, and a lot of that was just, that, that was predicated mostly just on the fact that I could have pushed the engine further forward and higher, and then it would have fit great. But you know, you have the trans tunnel and then you kind of have a little alcove for the out, the forward output on the transfer case. And, um, because it's the whole system is longer and because I'm pushing the engine back, none of it really lines up. Right. Um, so, and I'm sure there's like a, other, everybody probably would do it differently, but I just was like, I want this thing like as far back and as low as humanly possible so that, um, th when, you know, you take a hard turn and you go yank that thing it yeah. just sticks glued to the ground and it doesn't feel like you've got this, you know, 400 pound wishy-washy thing in the, you know, way up high in the front. So if it wasn't sure. for that, it, it, it trans tunnel would have fit better, but there's, there's a little room in there. There's just enough room to basically get the transmission in there lined up in the trans tunnel with the transfer case still fitting and stuff. You got to move some things around, nice. but yeah. Nice. What was the weight difference between the I, old setup and this? I don't know yet. So, um, I know like you can Google the differences in the motors, um, which, uh, is kind of a moot point because the transmission weighs more, the transfer case weighs more, the driveline, although the driveline is beefier and still aluminum, it still weighs more than the like paper thin factory one, you know? Um, so what I'd like to do is when, when we're done, take a, you know, a wet, like ready to drive, but nothing on the inside Raptor, just stock and weigh scale each tire and then scale this because I'm not really concerned about like, like I think a TRX weighs like hundreds and hundreds of pounds, if not like a thousand pounds more than a Raptor does. Um, but it produces a lot more power. So like, let's say, and this is, this is a great example, you know, so it weighs less than a trx but it weighs let's say it weighs 600 pounds more than a stock raptor okay um let's say ballpark about six thousand pound truck so you're looking at a 10 percent increase but if you're pushing 700 and something naturally aspirated horsepowers you're you've well more than you know more than well enough compensated for uh, the added weight, you know, and if that's added well-balanced weight, then you're really talking about the difference between like the weight difference being driving a completely empty truck with a fuel tank that's got four gallons in it versus driving a truck. The fuel tank is full. There's a passenger in the other seat. You got your cooler, you know, in the back seat, and then you got like your tools and your off-road gear in the bed. Like that's the weight difference. And we're talking about two trucks then that don't have any power differences. So if you have, you know, a 7.3 Godzilla with a crap ton more power, it doesn't really matter if it weighs, you know, six, 700 pounds more because you've got a torque monster under there that's just going to, you know, pull all that weight. Still, your power to weight ratio has improved over the previous, you know, the original powertrain. Yeah, totally. What kind of power are you getting out of this? Right now, nothing, um, because I basically have put off like, again, you know, we were talking earlier about like kind of the prudence of priority and development. So, um, 
because building power with the Godzilla is a pretty, um, let me, sorry, let me take a step back. When I started, I talked to Brian Wolf, who is a brilliant guy with the development of the Godzilla and how to make power with it. Cool guy, very cool guy. You can call him up and tell him, you know, hey, I want a truck that I can run wide open throttle for minutes on end at, you know, seven, eight hundred horsepower in sand. And he's got an idea of what needs to be done to the Godzilla to do that. So the the development process for building power with the motors is very clear, very straight cut, and you can build a lot of power. So my plan is to get everything else fine tuned to where, you know, um, in its stock form tuned, it's like four something or 500 or whatever. Um, once everything is sorted and I, I'm happy with all of my fabrication, all of my electrical, all of, you know, all the work that I've done, then it's actually really easy to just disconnect everything, take the heads off, send them, get them ported, swap out the pistons and the rods, put it all back together, spray some nitrous on it and have a good day, you know, um, which is, has been made even easier. So like everything in the truck is on dry brakes. So I can actually, I can actually disconnect everything in the truck and lift the cab uh, in a little bit under an hour without wow. any, just hooking a transfer pump up and there's one spot I can disconnect a coolant line and it will actually suck all of the coolant out of the system um, and then just disconnect everything. I don't have to drain oil, transmission fluid, anything. Even though I have oil and trans coolers in the grill, um, Basically, I can just disconnect everything and lift the cab. So I've kind of preemptively planned that I'm going to be doing a lot of development. You know, I'm going to be driving it, testing it, taking it back in, pulling it apart, making adjustments, and then doing that, you know, reiterating. But it's just levels of iteration, you know, basic function, auxiliary function, you know, luxury function, and then performance. And performance falls somewhere in that very last category because it's the easiest gotcha. really to, to do. Well, so is your plan to build these things and sell them or are you it is. Planning on, is this just it is yeah yeah and i haven't you know um i was like er, early on you know i was kind of daydreaming about it the plan is to basically um once i'm finished with all the r d and i really like what we have as an end product um to either sell it as kits or to sell um uh the process of converting them you know, or, or components. I mean, there's a million ways, you know, to strike a, strike a nail, but, um, I think what would be really exciting to me would be to develop something similar to like what Singer has done with Porsches and actually, Ruby. you know, build the trucks myself to my liking to where I think that they're, you know, I've, I've really perfected something that can be for a client, for a specific purpose, for their enjoyment, you know, um, and really build a truck not only to my artistic standard per se, but to build a truck to someone else's liking, you know, for them and then, and, and do that, you know? So cool. Well, I can't wait to see where you take this and I'm going to be Thanks. following along closely. Cause it's cool. such a cool project. Where can other people find your stuff or get in contact with you? Uh, right now I'm only on Instagram. It's just 7.3 Raptor. I got that handle. I took it early on. Um, 
you can go there and I just kind of kick around and post updates there and some goofy stuff, just having fun. Um, cause that's kind of what it is. And then, uh, eventually there will probably be a website and a landing page, but I'll just hyperlink all of that through Instagram. So 7.3 Raptor, pretty easy. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. This has been a lot of fun and yeah, maybe we'll, we'll do another one and check in and see if there's any cool updates in the future. I'd love to do that. Yeah. I love that too. We could talk about the woes and the woo ha's. Perfect. Let's do it. Cool. All right. All right. Thanks so much, Kent. Everyone else listening, catch you in the next one.